here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Rob McCarron. Should we begin with the puking, or should we begin with the topics that will change the face of WWE forever? Jeff Hawkins. We are not here to talk about Curtis Hughes. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Nobody's listening for hockey talk. Hello and welcome everybody to episode 53 of Shake Them Ropes. Rob McCarron here. Jeff Hawkins is alongside via the interwebs as usual. Jeff, hello. So, listen to any podcasts this week? I heard a few. You know you know what was really good was that new episode of Serial. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, Serial. I am not an NPR mark, so I have no interest in Serial. Yeah, I... Uh... I was looking at the top charts of iTunes and of course art of wrestling is number three currently as far as podcasts go. Oh, it was number two. What? What's, it, uh... it was number two. Uh, this American life came back to be number two. Stupid Ira glass. Yeah. This American life released a new episode. So they took the number two spot again, but uh, I'm looking at the podcast episodes as well. And there are 10 slots, nine of which are episodes of serial. And the other one is an episode of Art of Wrestling featuring a former ROH champion, CM Punk. Well, screw you, National Pretentious Radio. We're here to talk wrestling. I think We're, if... Oh, wait, sports entertainment. That's what Vince told me to call Yeah, it. wrestling is what Vince Sr. did. <laughs> um, it's interesting, too, because Art of Wrestling came out on Thursday. We referenced it on last week's show. Uh, we talked about, or at least I broke the news, if you will that uh, CM Punk was doing the show and they released it at midnight Eastern on Thursday, Thanksgiving day. And it broke all kinds of records, broke the internet. My downcast still can't download the dumb thing. Yeah. The show, the show's feed, the website crashed several times. I have listened to it though. So (laughs) I listened to it. Um, Thanks to the great work of uh, David Bixenspan, I was able to get this pretty, you know, much sooner than I thought I would based on all the website issues. Um, yeah, they if they didn't have all those website issues, I would not doubt that that episode with CM Punk might have been the number one episode on iTunes podcasts. However, it only reached number two. I, d- I, don't, I don't think it would pass anything up from NPR. Well, I mean, it passed eight of the episodes of Serial. I, I think it might have passed the other one. If if it was released on time on iTunes and not broken, because it was not on iTunes for a good day, 100%. So it, it might have. Who knows? But yeah, Art of Wrestling. Cole Cabana had CM Punk on to talk about his, uh, his leaving WWE, and we are going to get into all of that later. Then we're going to get into the Stone Cold podcast from the WWE Network last night with Vince McMahon. I know a lot of people were looking forward to that, even more so after the CM Punk interview came out. 
So we are going to get into both of those things and then continue along with our top 100 WWE Network matches to see before you die. This is mm-hmm. WWE.com's list, not ours. You can get the list at ShakeThemRopes.com. We are going to get to the six-man international tag team affair from Barely Legal 1997 featuring the international version of the BWO. We'll get into that at the uh, after all the podcast talk. But first, Jeff, this week, we're going to get probably briefly into the current events of WWE and what happened on Raw this Monday, including some hot-button topics that may be hot-button, maybe not, maybe I'm overreacting. Uh, but we'll start with you. What were your takeaways from Raw? What do you really want to get into? What do you want to sink your teeth into on the current stage of world wrestling sports entertainment? Oh, this hit all the bases. Bad comedy, angles that make no sense, rehashing things over and over again. The best thing that happened on this show was the Uso slapping Miz. That that interested me. I made a comment that you know, they're going to do another one of these, you know, husband-wife storylines, which is basically the entire Bella's-AJ feud right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was the most real thing the Usos, who are just goofballs, have done in their entire run. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, for, and, you know, every, all my criticism of Vince's podcast goes directly back to Raw, which apparently was a great show. It was a great show. I, a lot I of people just, had great I just, stuff. Yep. I just didn't realize it. Um... Yeah. <laughs> You know, not every match is going to hit. Oh, God. But that Bray Wyatt R-Truth match tonight. Ooh, and the promo afterwards. Vince loved it. (laughs) That was one of my snarky jokes about it. When Vince said, no one wants the truth. I said, what's up? Um, No, but it was the most real thing on there. And it's the thing that, 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 that blurred the line, which is what it needs. I, I, I still think this, See, I'm going into Vince podcast talk, but oh, they get it. Get ba- they they get it backwards. the The stake is in the ring. The sizzle are the promos and the setups and all that other stuff. They get it totally reversed, and and nothing. <laughs> Five seconds into the into the Austin podcast, when Vince said, "Well, you just get, when when Austin goes, oh, you had a." You had people talking in the ring there for 25 minutes, and Vince goes, well, you just can't have them go out there and wrestle for no reason. Yep, got to be a story and first. The match tells a story. New Japan's doing just fine. I am I want to give my nine ninety nine to their network and watch their archives. <laughs> yeah, I we have some things to say about this Vince podcast, but... Uh, but other, uh, than that, other than that... And, <laughs> oh, hey, we got character development for Eric Rowan. Apparently he yeah. knows how to good wine. Just out of nowhere, he's a genius. Jeremiah the Bullfrog. Eric Rowan is a genius. I wonder oh, yeah. if Renee Young is going to reconsider the little courtship. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm sure they're going to show him at a Mensa meeting. Well, he's just going <laughs> to keep doing Rubik's Cubes. And... Oh, the re- the wrestling savant gimmick. That always gets over. Oh, the, the, dumb, the dummy who's really a genius. Not so much that he's a dummy. Are they are they are they going to let him like clean floors and then walk by a blackboard with a very hard math problem and solve it? He's not a dummy. He's just different. You know what? They could tell a backstory there that he joined the Wyatt family because he was lost. He was the smartest person. He didn't know how to use his genius. So he went to Bray Wyatt to find himself, and Bray Wyatt fixed him by channeling all his smarts and energy into wrestling. 
if he was this much of a genius, he should have been running the Wyatt family. Hey, he's arguably in the highest profile program of the three. Uh, Ambrose Wyatt probably more so, but I mean, Roman is out. Or uh, Luke Harper is doing Dolph Ziggler stuff, and they don't even have a match for TLC, although we'll get to that. I assume they're going to do and, a ladder match. But And why are they telling us and not showing us? Other than the stupid Rubik's Well, game. telling and, us in a backstage interview, which I got to believe most people don't really actually pay attention to. It's exposition. It's what they do with everything. Every, everything has to be dialogue that's basically exposition. And it drives me insane remember, these days. Remember when WCW did the Raven gimmick where he was a rich, spoiled kid? Yes. Like on Nitro out of nowhere. He was just Raven for And Sandman however. had come over to his, was his best friend hanging out, Hack. Or right. whatever, and Canyon came over yeah. too. Yeah. But one episode of Raw, he goes from this, you know, uh, this brat, basically. You mean Nitro. Oh, yeah, Nitro. But there was a Nitro that popped up, and all of a sudden you go to Raven's house, and you see he's a rich kid. Like, it was out of nowhere. There was no setup or build to it. Just all of a sudden, oh, he's a rich kid now. And this is why he's like this. It's kind of like that, but on a worse scale. I mean, Rowan... You're getting Tom Phillips during a backstage interview to read Rowan, his own accomplishments. This was the sort of thing they used to do when they cared with the million dollar man. They they filmed vignettes of him going around and basically, you know, screwing people over about money. You know, you had Mr. Perfect doing his thing. They had these kinds of vignettes to build characters. Now they just do them in these backstage segments. Well, I wonder if they just came up with the idea that day on Raw. Like, hey, what should we do to explain Rowan? Well, let's make him a genius. You know, that wouldn't shock me. Just out of nowhere. I mean, he was playing with the Rubik's Cube for a couple of weeks, so maybe it was a couple of week idea. They just got to it this week on Raw. Maybe Vince finally found out about Rubik's Cubes. But at the same time, this was hardly the most offensive thing on the show. It wasn't really an offensive Raw. Don't you, like me, I just kind of found it to be three hours of stuff. Oh, I didn't find it offensive. I found it boring. I mean, it was a weird Raw in the fact that, yes, it was kind of boring. The only time I was offended was that opening segment with the dumb comedy. (laughs) Well, we're going to get plenty of it next week because Seth Green was announced as the host of the Slammies next week. The Slammy Awards are coming. We got Seth Green instead of Brock Lesnar. Instead of Dennis Miller. (laughs) I'd enjoy Dennis Miller on Raw. I think he he just brought a snarky fatalism to it, which I loved. I'd enjoy Dennis Miller again. I'd be fine with that. Um, Because it could be worse. Oh, yeah. Bring Jeremy Piven back. (laughs) Dr. Ken. But what I wanted to get into (laughs) on this Raw. Yes. We talked a little bit about Rowan, another member of the Wyatt family, is Bray Wyatt. And he is is current. Yeah, really, he is. Can you believe it? He was the leader, if I'm not mistaken. Although at the end of this, we'll see if I'm truly mistaken about a lot of things. So Dean Ambrose is going to wrestle in a TLC match against Bray Wyatt. Yes. Dean Ambrose this year has not won a singles match on pay-per-view. Wow. And not just that. He ha- he has had a singles match canceled via forfeit. Okay. That was advertised for a show just the night of the show on pay-per-view. They canceled the match. He ha- he has had the Lumberjack match where the Lumberjacks interfered and screwed Dean Ambrose out of it. Right. He has had the blow-off cage match 
with Seth Rollins, where Bray Wyatt comes in during the match, interferes, okay. giving Dean Ambrose the loss. You're building momentum. Let's go. And then he had the match with Bray Wyatt on pay-per-view last month. Right. That ended with really no ending. This Dean Ambrose is not just losing pay-per-view matches. He has been a part of the worst finishes on pay-per-view matches for six months. This guy has no momentum. Oh, so he's the new Daniel Bryan. Yeah, well, at least Daniel Bryan would win a match, then get screwed over. So you knew deep down that Daniel Bryan could win. He could beat people. He was beating Randy Orton on Raw clean. He was beating John Cena clean on pay-per-view. Dean Ambrose can't do shit. Wow, strong language. I'm going to have to put the explicit tag on this episode. Mm. Oh, good. That means I can start dropping F-bombs? Well, maybe not, because Vince McMahon wouldn't like that. He wouldn't listen to us because he would understand there were a lot of expletive used. (laughs) The problem is, finally we get to this match. Pro wrestling, it's about stories. You know in stories, most of the time the good guy wins? It's about the struggle for the good guy to get there? Well, Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt are going to have this TLC match. And then you have the Royal Rumble, which I'm sure Dean Ambrose is going to be in. I'm sure Bray Wyatt is probably going to be in. Then you have the road to WrestleMania. Basically, this is going to be the blow-off of Ambrose and Wyatt. And there are people trying to tell me that Bray Wyatt, because the heel depth in WWE is so poor, Bray Wyatt should win this one and continue his rise amongst the heels because Ambrose is at best a fourth or fifth level babyface. That's the argument I've heard from a vocal minority. At least I hope it's a vocal minority. Is there any reason why Dean Ambrose should not win this match at TLC clean? Because they don't know what they're doing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying they. I'm not saying he won't or he will or whatever. I'm just saying, is there any reason why he shouldn't win? Because to me, this is 100% Dean Ambrose has to win here. This is the payback match. Of course he should win. Yes. But, but, I mean, and and for anyone saying, well, there's not a lot of heel depth, it's not like there's a lot of face depth either. There's a lot lot of, of, oh, he's a guy depth. You have John Cena. You have Randy Orton coming back. You have all these baby faces. You have Dolph Ziggler on the rise. You don't need Ambrose. Hold on, hold on, because there's, there's something I want to get into about Dolph. It, <laughs> Dolph's moment to shine, he's not even out there. It's Cena and Rollins talking about Dolph. How does that help him? It doesn't. Oh, and I know something else I wanted to talk well, about, Rollins. Well, I about, just, about, hold no. on, hold on. Oh. Uh, you, write it down. Write it down. You'll, you'll get your ranting time. Believe me, I will give it to you. Well, well then the floor is yours, Senator. Because... I saw this, there's one person who just comes at me and says, why? Because I wrote on F4W Online in my recap of Raw that this is the match where Dean Ambrose should win, but it's nowhere close to 100% that he will because let's look at the history of Dean Ambrose. I also wrote, because they're advertising Rusev and Ambrose for SmackDown. What? Yeah. That's the advertised match for SmackDown. Rusev versus Dean Ambrose. That's just stupid. I know, right? I'm thinking of this. This that's, is a that's throwaway. A, that's another program you can do. Why, an, why are you? It, not only is it another program, 
But let's look at who we might not have for WrestleMania next year, as in WrestleMania 32. We might not have Triple H wrestling, and if we do, he's probably not in the main event. We won't have The Undertaker. We won't have Sting. We won't have Brock Lesnar, you know, possibly. There's a lot of people that we may not have. Dean Ambrose and Rusev, to me, are two of the biggest candidates who could possibly headline a big pay-per-view in 2016. And you're going to put them together on a throwaway, not just a throwaway match, but it's most likely going to be a throwaway DQ finish of a match. Another stinker for Dean Ambrose. On your secondary show. On your secondary show, which I know they're trying to get a little bit more important. Because I could actually see this week on SmackDown them announcing two new matches for TLC. So I can see they're trying to build importance to it. That's fine. Does that make it important? But I would be upset if this Raw if this match was happening on Raw. Rusev and Dean Ambrose. Oh yeah. There are certain things, and CM Punk said this in his podcast, sometimes you just gotta keep certain people apart. Mm-hmm. So that eventually when they do meet, it's a big deal. And to me, Rusev and Ambrose are two of those people who you should keep separate. Because I don't care if you think the plan is Roman Reigns to be this big superhero for WWE. The plan may be that. But the plan this year was Batista and Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And guess who won the title on that show? Daniel Bryan. Things change. Remember, Vince listens to the audience. Ha! Fuck. I mean, this, this notion that Dean Ambrose is going nowhere, and to some extent that Rusev is going nowhere because it's a one-note gimmick. I still hear people saying that. What do you want WWE to do? Do you want them to push new stars or do you not? Because they're trying with certain people. Are they? Yeah, you, I would do say... You really, do you really think they're trying hard? Well, they're trying they're, with or Rusev. They're, or, they're, or they're doing the toe in the water? They're trying with Rusev because I've liked everything they've done with Rusev this entire year so far, except for the Rock angle. They're trying, I mean, who knows if he's going to be any good, but obviously Rowan is getting a little bit of a push here. You know, there are certain times where it looks like they're trying at least. But two guys you should be trying with are Dean Ambrose and Rusev. And Dean Ambrose should lose and go over in 2014 on pay-per-view. Because you apparently know what's going to happen two years from now. I'm like, what's going on here? Dean Ambrose should win this match, and I said it lightly because I didn't think there would be anyone that would oppose it strongly, or at least reasonably. If you don't want Ambrose to win, if you think Wyatt should win because he's better, so be it. But for rehabilitation purposes, for giving someone credibility, Bray Wyatt has big wins this year. He beat Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble. He beat John Cena. Dean Ambrose has done nothing since leaving the Shield except throw ketchup on people. So it just upset me a little bit. It upset me that people are bashing this line I write about Dean Ambrose possibly being a big contender at a WrestleMania two years from now. Two years from now when anything could happen. Yet that doesn't matter. He should lose this match. I want to know what people think about this too. If you're listening to this and you have an opinion on Ambrose and Wyatt, hit us up on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes because I'm really interested to see if this was just one guy being loud and annoying or if that's the opinion, if people think that at this point, Bray Wyatt is more important to give wins to, because that may be an opinion. It's just not mine. That was my I, one, that was my I, one I, thing on Raw. Everything else was kind of filler, and we'll get to the podcast, but that was my one thing on Raw was Dean Ambrose and, and that argument that Dean Ambrose shouldn't win. I can argue the devil's advocate point of view. 
and that Dean Ambrose is so popular with the crowd that he doesn't need wins necessarily. Yeah, but at what point does him I, I, never I, winning I, start to I, lose I, that popularity? I, I understand that concern. But that's two years in the making. You still have time to rehab. I still think Dean Ambrose gets turned when Roman Reigns comes back. And they feed Ambrose to Reigns to build Reigns. So you may be in for a longer year. Could happen. And, and this isn't because I'm some type of Dean Ambrose mark. Do I like Dean Ambrose? Yes. There are plenty of people on this roster I like and I want to see do well and that entertain me. Dean Ambrose happens to be one of them. Bray Wyatt. I, I think I'm, I'm more of a fan of Bray Wyatt than a lot of people are too. I want the shackles off of Dolph Ziggler. Bad. I want to hear him be the guy that I've seen in an L.A. comedy club. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that promo. Dolph Ziggler not getting to talk for himself. John Cena's oh, yeah. done a lot of that John, this year, John, too. Yeah, John, John Cena's the one pushing Dolph Ziggler as right. if that's helping him. It's not. It, but, oh, but we got Dolph Ziggler. But Dolph has, Dolph's going to have to take a backseat to Ryback. Dolph Ziggler that's won fun. the Survivor Series elimination match for his team. Mm-hmm. Dolph Ziggler's the big rising star. John Cena doesn't care because his spot isn't threatened because he's the number one contender to the title that matters. And he's doing all the talking for Dolph Ziggler. Dolph can't even talk for does, himself. Even if he doesn't have the title, he has the title. It's the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what ticked me off about Raw now that I think about it? Go ahead. The... <laughs> So we get, what, four weeks of vignettes for a new day? Yep. Geeks! In one week. Just like normal. In one week, the aspirational black men. My term for the team. I was stunned when I first heard that they were doing tag team turmoil. In lieu of the bunny and friggin' Adam Rose. Yeah. When when I heard tag team turmoil, I thought they would win. Like this, obviously they're winning. There's no other option. Nope, give it, give it to the fresh. Usos again. It, it's new and fresh. Bring Yes, bring in the New Day. They win. They Oh, they win a match against four other teams? Their instant credibility. Yeah. Instant credibility. And and instead, they get job to Cat Fancy. Cat Zaro and Tyson Kidd. And I don't, uh, I don't want people to think that I was anti-Ambrose and Wyatt on this Raw. I got a little frustrated <laughs> with people. I'm sorry. Hold on. We'll get back to you. I'm going to mention Ziggler no, here, too. That you're circling back to that. I'm finishing okay, up. Okay, go ahead. Because I thought this was the best week of Wyatt and Ambrose. Yeah. And a good build-up to their pay-per-view match. I'm surprised it didn't happen on next week's Raw, because I don't know what they're going to do for one more week, but I, I liked it. You get Bray Wyatt for the first time, even against his feuds with Jericho and Cena. You know, Dean Ambrose found what could actually... You know, knock Bray Wyatt down a peg or two. Because Bray Wyatt, his whole gimmick is that he's not afraid of winning or losing. His gimmick is he wants people to follow him and he's going to show people the light. And for the first time on Raw, he, I guess you could say, didn't think that might happen. He was doubting himself and thinking maybe it's Dean Ambrose who actually is better at being crazy than him. So I liked what they did. I'm looking forward to the match. I think a TLC with those two could be really, really good. I'm looking forward to the match. I still want to know what the light is exactly with. Uh, I try not to think too hard Bray. about Bray Wyatt's I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's like evil. Yeah, they're. 
They're very well written, but they're full of sound of fury signifying nothing. That's my problem with them. There's not there's not the the fighting aspect to them. They're 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 very creative promos that don't mean anything. Right. And I think I think they need to turn a corner there and have a little bit of viciousness there at the end. Sure. I, I, I I get the character. Now I I I, I don't want to see him out there just having fun. Another pet peeve from the podcast. Well, I'm hoping next week he just kind of goes out there and I would be fine if he ke- just completely beats up and destroys Dean Ambrose to give that heat into the match. Like Bray Wyatt's not messing around with words this week. He's actually going to go right at Ambrose. Light a table on fire. Then they wrestle. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Dolph Ziggler, though, is a weird one because, yeah, we thought, well, I mean, two weeks ago at the end of Survivor Series, I made the point that it's a bad time for Dolph Ziggler to be getting this push because it's all going to disappear in five weeks. Yes. When Brock comes back and all these, all these superstars come back. Disappeared in one. Disappeared in one. So that in itself, not surprising. But I hate this, that Vince McMahon himself thinks all these guys can't talk. So he has John Cena not only do promos for Cena, but do the promos for every other babyface on the roster. Exactly. No, the, the last Monday, instead of Daniel Bryan coming out, and be, uh, Daniel Bryan could have still done the... Uh, G, I'm thinking of what the, name, the title is. The GM of the Week gimmick. With the office, like like we had laid out. But Monday Raw should have started with a Dolph Ziggler promo. And it would have rehabilitated his image almost instantly. Capitalize on if things. It, if, it, if it had been the right promo, Dolph Ziggler would be a guy that we were talking about on the ascent. And now we're just, he's out there with Cena. He's Cena's running buddy. I expect him to turn heel on Cena in the next two weeks. Maybe after TLC. I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating to watch. And, and, and when you fold it over into the Vince podcast, it makes so much sense. Positives from Raw. I liked the usage of the Raw anonymous GM. Yeah. He, you know, they got it in early. They made mm-hmm. the heel manager type uh, gimmick for John Cena. You know, if you lose at TLC, your number one contendership is gone. And then he was kind of, he, he was gone. There was no computer pretty much the rest of the night. I like the usage of that. Um, there were certain things. I mean, the wrestling wasn't all that great on the show. I liked the usage of Miz. Miz was excellent. And, and we Miz, get into that Miz Russo. Was a, Miz was a smarmy Hollywood type of guy. Yeah. Hey, I can get you in pictures. I can, and, and I thought the reaction of, uh, is it Jimmy or Jay Uso that's married to? Jimmy. Hey, okay. I thought the. I thought Jimmy's reaction and the way they did that, perfect. Miz's reaction to getting yeah. smacked around, perfect. Loved it. Yeah, because, I mean, here comes this furious Jimmy slapping the Miz. Jimmy's all heated up where Jey Uso's kind of in the background like, oh, you done it now. Done it now, Miz. And then the Miz is just sitting there stunned that he got slapped, like not realizing what the repercussions of his action was going to be. It's a nice mid-card feud over a girl, which is a uh, very good... I mean, it, <laughs> I'm not going to go as far as to say it's as good as, say, Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Garvin over Precious, but well, it, it's it's what, interesting to me. What it is, because you're doing this gimmick with The Miz where he's this big Hollywood star, but throughout this gimmick, since he's come back doing this, no one's really put him in his place except for Triple H. And he's never really shown his star power. Right. 
Triple H is the only one who's kind of knocked him down a peg. And we've gotten into that before in the show and where that, Triple H shouldn't was, be the guy who knocks him down. And, and, yeah, and that was the wrong way to do it. Right. So finally, Jimmy Uso comes out, knocks him down a peg. Mm-hmm. And now you build heat for that match. And that should be, actually be really good at TLC. The Usos and the Mizzes. I thought that would, would have been a good point for Miz to, or Miz Dow to jump in as opposed to mimic the shot. I'm still waiting for that because out of, out of, out of kind of loyalty, you know, right. At some point, am you know, for the, for the sake of the team, Miz Dow has to stop just mimicking things and actually defend Miz or actually fight yeah. back. So it's not two on one all the time. Yeah. Cause every match it's two on one because Miz Dow is too busy, you know, faking getting hit. It's a weird dynamic with that sometimes because you got to find that right balance. I mean, the gimmick's getting over. But at some point, Ms. Dow has to be a member of the team. At some point. Uh, let's, we'll do the preview for uh, TLC next week on the show along with the preview for TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, our evolution. But we have what looks to be, while not fully announced, we can pretty much set what the card is going to be for TLC. Uh, we have Seth Rollins and John Cena in a tables match. If John Cena loses, he's no longer the number one contender. Uh, guesses, do we think that match goes on last? <laughs> what else would? Because some people are thinking that it, they might actually give it to Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt. No. In the TLC. I don't no, see that happening. Dean, Dean Ambrose and, and, uh, and Wyatt is the second from last match, then the cool-off spot with like a Divas match, and then Cena. See, I would, I would think so too, especially because I think if Randy Orton does make an appearance on this show, it's happening during that Seth Rollins match. Right. And, and if, and if Brock's making an appearance is going to be during that match. That'd be awesome. I'm going to be there. Let's get some Brock Lesnar going. Mm. He's going to be there the raw the next night. So why not show up at TLC? You know, the show on this network that you're promoting. Um, <laughs> we got Bray Wyatt and Ambrose in the TLC. Uh, the big Ryback versus Kane chairs match, Woo! which is also hey, another possibility for main event in any arena. Oh yeah, I mean Ian Rotten would kill for this main event. Um, Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper looks to be building towards a ladder match for the Intercontinental Title. I actually expect that one to be added in SmackDown this week. Although I think that's going to be a fun match. That that one might be your under the radar. Although that's my match of the night. I think possibly. Although it's great that Dolph's getting such a high-profile match off of his big win. He'll be curtain-jerking on this one. Yeah, but you know what? If he gets a win here, and it's, it's a well-received match, might not be so bad. They're not going to take the belt off of Harper this quick. I wouldn't think so, but then again, I mean, who does the belt better serve at this point? And it might be Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Because remember, the whole gimmick was the authority took the belt off of him. Luke Harper didn't really win it. It was the authorities doing. So this would be Rob, the final piece of revenge for Dolph Ziggler. Rob, that is an excellent point. So we'll see. Um, I'll pick Ziggler in the predictions. You pick Harper. Give me a give me a leg up. No, let me think for a week. All right. Um, the tag team titles we talked about, Usos, Miz and Miz Dow. Uh, AJ Lee versus Nikki Bella for a Divas title uh, looks to be uh, certain. Were you shocked that AJ did not turn on her partner? After the match. Um, to keep that gimmick I mean, going. I wasn't shocked that she didn't. Okay. No, I I wouldn't have been surprised if she did. But at this point, her focus is more on the title because now AJ doesn't have the title. Before, True. she could do whatever she wanted because she had the title. Now she okay. has to be serious. 
Um, You're the voice of reason today. I'm loving this. All right. Uh, Big Show and Rowan. <laughs> Big Red. Aye. How'd you like that it, debut with a nickname for Rowan last night? Michael Cole shoving it down your throats, saying Big shame, Red five some, times somewhere, a minute. Somewhere Seamus is upset. Um, <laughs> you got you got the Big Red machine. You, you got you, Big Red. You know what I did like? I did like that coming right out of uh, right out of the Rowan promo was Big Show coming down the aisle with the mic going, "Yeah, I'm a bully." That was nice continuity there. I thought. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> although, although, what brave baby faces these guys were teaming up four on one on on Big Show. Hey, the guys screwed almost screwed over their chances at Survivor oh, Series. Got to take know. revenge. Blanket but, party, the guy. Got to do revenge there. Uh, Jack Swagger and Rusev. <laughs> Jack Swagger coming back. <laughs> All I could think during that attack on Raw, where Zeb Coulter was laid out as Jack Swagger was, you know, getting prepared for his match, is how long exactly was Zeb Coulter laid out? Because you would think, if it happened right before the match, Jack Swagger would have been there with him. I, I can just see Rusev attacking Zeb Coulter like a half an hour before the match, and Jack not realizing, and not <laughs> knowing where Zeb was. Zeb out there going, oh... Oh, my leg. Oh. Yeah, it was, that was wacky. No one thought out the timing of that one. It was, it was a little wacky. But yeah, we're going to get Jack Swagger and Rusev again for the U.S. title. I just love that he kept asking, who did this to you? As if he didn't know what happened. It was three count. Oh, three minute warning. Evan Courageous is back. <laughs> um, yeah, so that looks to be your card with a possible bunny appearance somewhere at TLC. Well, we did find a actress worse than Stephanie McMahon on Raw. Kate Upton. Those commercials are terrible. The Game of War or whatever? Art of War? Game yeah. of War? Yeah, she's not inspiring much confidence in the troops with that. Yeah, you can go fight now and follow me. Hey, <laughs> she's getting paid. Good for, good for Kate Upton. Her old women boobs. All right, so that is WWE. Oh, Rosa Mendez is terrible. Well, yes, yeah, she is. I mean, I, I was mean, trying to keep the show not super negative. I mean, no, I used to really think Rosa was attractive, too. and Or at least, you know, engaging to watch. She has no rhythm doing whatever she's doing right now. We're Yeah, we're talking she's, performance on TV, and Rosa is not good. She's far too thin to keep her implants in. And, <laughs> and, and just whatever the heck she's doing there in the middle of the ring looks just awkward. It looks painfully awkward. Yeah, the dancing isn't great. She's just Although there. I, she grabs oh, the I, mic, Caliente yeah. or whatever she said. I, I thought Rusev was going to destroy Fandango. I did. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Down. Yeah, when they came out, I figured there was some type of transition because Fandango wasn't even looking. But yeah, Jack Swagger and Rusev for, I think, the third time on pay-per-view. Might even be the fourth. Man, I bet you this is, oh, oh, the fans are just thinking this is going to be Swagger's time to win. No, that time sailed because I really did think oh, he might have won that flag match. Oh, so did I. I'm, I'm being facetious. Here. Right. But no, he's not winning this one. Yeah. Although, should he? Rusev's a one note gimmick. He ain't going nowhere. You're taking this criticism personally. I Well, 
No, that's the criticism on Rusev. I, I just don't get the people that, you know, are giving up on Rusev, who has been shown to be one of the best all-around presentations in WWE this year. Uh, what am I seeing that people aren't seeing? Or maybe I'm seeing too much and it's just not there. I don't know. Um, let's, uh, should we get into talking about some of these podcasts that happened last week? Yes. All right. So as we briefly spoke on last week's show, CM Punk did do a podcast with Colt Cabana, Art of Wrestling number 226. Uh, for nearly 24 hours after it was released, people were finding it nearly impossible to download it. So it was like this big event. It was like the iPhone coming out, Jeff. Did you get the show? Did you get the show? Can you listen to it? <laughs> on Thanksgiving, mind you, I was listening to this podcast at 2 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning. It was quite the event. Were you cooking turkey at that time? Well, no, but you know, because you asked me last week if I was looking forward to it or if I had big interest in it. And I, I said I really didn't. Yeah, because you're a noted punk hater. Well, no, not because I'm a punk hater, because I'm not a punk hater. Again, like I said last week, I think he's overrated in the ring by a lot of people. That doesn't mean I hate him, because okay. I thought his overall presentation in a lot of ways was great. CM Punk was a guy who would get you invested in the matches. He could talk talk you into the building. Yeah, so you were emotionally invested, and then you wanted to see him win. So as sloppy as the matches were, because most of them were. Oh, was, I'll agree. He was not that great in the ring. Let's be real here, people. But they were still good matches because you wanted to see what was going to happen. Now, with that said, it became a lot more interesting to me because when I gave you the answer that I wasn't super interested, I didn't know what was going to be said. For all I knew, it could have been the same stuff that we had heard for months and months about why he left. That wasn't the case. There was a lot of other information. There was a lot of health information that at the end of the day was the biggest takeaway to me. But I found myself being much more interested in listening to it when it came out, and then glad I did once once it was over. Oh, the health thing brought everything into clarity. Everything in terms of his rumored demeanor and all that other stuff backstage. Um, I'm glad that he was the first superstar to get around that disparagement clause thing, which has driven me nuts for a number of years because people leave and then they... You know, you know they want to say something, but then they don't say something. Punk says he didn't yeah. say something, but he did. And between that and the Vince podcast, it confirms everything you knew. And and you know, to be fair, the infamous pipe bomb promo basically was telling you the truth. <laughs> Yeah, well, what I found really interesting in this is because a lot of these people who hate on Punk for leaving and, you know, the, the types of people that CM Punk oh, mentioned in his podcast, yeah, I'm not, I, I am not one of those people. You are no, not one of those people. I am not. No, because I, he can do whatever he wants and whatever works best for him. Obviously, it looks like he's happy. He's doing a bunch of stuff. I mean, he's doing Walking Dead stuff. He's doing comic book writing. He's, he's in music. He's going to all his Blackhawk games. He got married. Seems like the dude is having an incredible year that any of us wish we could have. I'd rather no, have no. his 2014 than I would his 2011. No, what what the critic the the legitimate criticisms of Punk are that he is a very creative, very smart, very articulate guy who knows he's a genius, who's who may who's very creative and has a very high opinion of himself and what he does. And at the same time he has absolutely no 
patience for fools. He does not suffer fools. You you talk and about so, and so you know he's he has that little bit of a uh, and he has that kind of adversity to uh-huh. authority. Yeah. So you know he's going to what he's going to say is going to be awesome and his ideas are going to be great. But he's going to die on any hill he's challenged on, and he has that kind of self-destructive quality about him. I do not fault him for for walking out on the WWE if he truly believes he's an independent contractor, and especially given the stifling environment he's in. I don't fault him for that. And it's obvious that the WWE thought he was still going to come back because they were texting him. So you can't say he quit. He was taking a break. He just chose not to come back, and <laughs> although getting your severance papers on your wedding day, that's dirty pool, mister, and it's not an accident. That was not an accident, but you mentioned creative, and this was one of the big takeaways from this podcast when it was over and also when it was going on, is you have to really listen deep into that podcast before he even talks about creative. The big issue to him was health. The big issue to him was people lying to him and being honest. Right. The creative was a relatively small part. And there's still people out there saying, what, you think you should have beaten The Rock and Brock Lesnar, blah, 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 blah. People are missing the point greatly on that topic. Yes, I, I, I agree. They, It's not that he should have beat them. It's that they didn't have any plans for him after he lost. Yeah. To build him back up. He didn't have, they didn't have plans for him after he did all this. And then it was not losing to The Rock. It was not losing to Brock Lesnar. It was not losing to The Undertaker. It was losing to all three of them. Yes. Because the greater issue is if he can't beat anyone of that level, at what point do people... Exactly. At what point does he lose credibility himself when he does the promos? The promos that get people into the building. The promos that are based on him being a threat. It makes him a paper paper tiger. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're a great promo, but you can't win the big one. But the health stuff is absolutely fascinating. Oh Everyone by now has heard the story of the uh, the staph infection he had for three months before leaving WWE that was misdiagnosed as just a fatty depositor, basically nothing. Uh, you talk about the concussions and how the doctors are willing to ignore symptoms so that he can go work a European tour or that he can wrestle on a broken elbow because prognosis says it should be two weeks without actually giving him a checkup to see if he's actually healed. All that stuff. All put put together, even if Punk is only telling the truth on half of them, that half is still enough to put serious questions on the medical side of WWE. I still don't understand what kind of person would want to watch that kind of thing get cut out. As he said, the locker room enjoys that sort of thing. Not going to lie, I I checked YouTube a little bit afterwards to see. (laughs) No, you didn't. Oh, man. I, I actually thought about it. I'm like, what That's would like that look sadistic. like? That's what would that look like? Watch that. I didn't watch it. I was, I was just saying, what would that look like? Um, Bunch of creeps. But that podcast has been talked about for a lot. I just wanted to get into those major points. Now, part two comes out Thursday. Looking forward to it, maybe, depending on the questions. Art of Wrestling 227, featuring the CM Punk question and answer, comes out on Thursday. So all the questions that were emailed into CM Punk and Cole Cabana will be answered, or at least the, uh, you know, the responsible ones, the polite yeah. ones. <laughs> I'm interested. I mean, big questions that I would be interested in him answering, or you know, have has he talked to AJ about repercussions for her? Not just after the interview, but for the last several months. Um, what kind of conversations have they had? 
Um, I think that's going to be avoided. I, I think it might be too because because someone's stooging off the interviews to management. Obviously, you don't want to talk about AJ on a podcast about you and and really kind of compromise her position. Right. That too, and the fact that AJ isn't there to talk for herself. Herself. And yeah. it seems like Punk's a really big guy on just you know speaking for himself and not others. Yeah. Um, so that might be the case too. Uh, so we'll see if it gets answered or asked at all. Um, I don't really know what other questions uh, he was pretty transparent in that interview. I guess there's going to be a lot of health questions probably. There'll probably be a lot of, will you go to new Japan? If they offer, would you go to PWG? If they offered those types of dopey questions. And to me, those would be bad questions to ask because the guy has said he's done with wrestling. Right. So you're wasting your time asking questions about whether he would go to so-and-so, whether he would wrestle so-and-so. You're just he, wasting he, your time. He's now a part-timer doing, uh, doing one-shots for comics, right. which, is, which is a fascinating juxtaposition if you think about it. I, I'm more interested in seeing what questions Colt picks, I think, than I am in what Punk actually answers. And we'll just see what, what kind of questions they want me to go for. I'm uh, not sure what, kind of, what, what he could do. What, what, what's he going to answer about? You know, I mean, I if he's done with wrestling, then kind of leaves the questions limited. Maybe there will be big new breaking news that comes out. Maybe a bombshell will be dropped. Maybe he's going to all Japan. <laughs> In he's, ru- he's running the book for global force. The new owner of PWG. Mm. He's going to run a bigger hall so I can get in. I thought about actually going last minute to that show next week. You'd have to stand outside and wait. I wouldn't be able to get in. Nope. I can't believe that. And I'm not going to make that trip, obviously, if I don't know I'm getting in. Yeah, and it turns out <laughs> the reason why the front row tickets weren't there is that a bunch of friends over or one guy, like at least one guy had like four friends buy tickets for him that he didn't need. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of oversold. Nice. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Um, but this CM Punk podcast happened on Thursday. Yes. And that added fuel to the fire for the Vince McMahon on Stone Cold podcast on Monday on WWE oh, Network. Yes. And that happened last night on Monday. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold Vince McMahon backstage, not in front of the crowd. I don't know why I didn't think of this. I just, I guess I assumed it was going to be like in the ring on a couple of director's chairs. Just talking. Nope. It was backstage. They had the full desk set up with the microphones on the desk, the lapel mics, the TV I thought that version. Was smart. That was smart. Yeah. Um, what do we, uh, I mean, there's probably a ton to get into. And the, honestly, the least of which is the response to CM Punk that Vince McMahon gave. Because there were some other uh, big happenings in that podcast, too. I don't necessarily think you can call them surprising. Some of them surprising that he said it live on TV. And then, of course, we'll get into an answer he gave, just how he gave a certain answer. Uh, but we'll start with you. What do you want to get into first, and what were your big impressions about it? Everything he's, everything CM Punk said in 2011 was correct. I think, it, more than anything, it shows Vince doesn't know what he's doing unless there's something handed to him. And he wants it both ways. He wants to be the guy who unzips himself and waves it around in the air, but tell you he's humble at the same time. He wants to be the guy who's given a territory by his dad with big Northeast markets, but tell you, you know, I'm a self-made man. You know, he's, he's a bully. Um, and he doesn't know how to create stars. 
unless they're handed to him. The the, the <laughs> it's funny because he's out of touch overall. I'll say it. I think he's out of touch, even though he he denied it at the end of the at the end of the interview. And I'll tell you why. It was a minor point that was kind of glossed over by him. But when he was bloviating about one of his past conquests. He made a comment about a guy and he said he was the, I think, the vice president of AFTRA. And then he says, I'm not sure if AFTRA is around anymore. The American Federation of Television and Radio Artists is now part of the largest union that does, that represents actors and entertainers on television and in television production, Vince. You are a television (laughs) producer. You don't know if AFTRA's around anymore. I know you don't use union talent because, God forbid, they have negotiating leverage. But to say, I don't know if AFTRA's around anymore, shows you the bubble he's living in. The stuff about the brass ring, I threw my phone across the room when I heard that. That's dangerous. (laughs) I have an otter box, so, the, so it can take the throwing. The brass it's, ring comment, because he's talking about uh, how no one since John Cena has really sought out that brass ring. Although he did say, kidding me? He did say that Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt seem like guys who might go for it. And Seth Rollins. Seth that's Rollins. Just, that's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous statement. You don't think that CM Punk wanted the brass ring? In fact, he talks about, I've gone after so many of Vince McMahon's imaginary brass rings. You don't think Daniel Bryan wanted the brass ring? You don't think Dolph Ziggler busts his ass in the ring week after week because he doesn't want the brass ring? You, do you not think that Zack Ryder tried to make something out of a loser gimmick because he didn't want some form of the brass ring? And then you crushed him, Vince. You crushed him. I... I <sighs> <laughs> no one since he John says, Cena has tried no to become John, the guy. So, so I just figured going for the brass ring means HGH. That's all I can figure out. It, 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 he has to be 6'4", 275, and can talk and has a full head of hair. Otherwise, he doesn't know what to do with him. He goes out there and says, Cesaro's missing a piece. What is your job? Your job is to find the missing piece and to help him. You create these stars. You can't complain there aren't any stars when you run the mechanism to create the stars. You're a genius. Figure it out. Before we single out Cesaro like Vince McMahon did, uh, at one point, at one point, Austin uh, talked about how the uh, backstage environment wasn't as loose as back in his day. And and Vince kind of agrees, you know, the guys aren't joking around They're, You know, they're walking on eggshells kind of infers that and, and Steve Austin oh, asks, well, what do you think about these guys who are just, you know, trying to escape without pissing someone off? And it's, and Vince McMahon takes that response in such a weird way. He says, well, yeah, they better not piss anyone off. Or I think his exact quote was, they should avoid pissing people off. Oh, yeah. Avoid pissing people off, but take this dreck we're writing for you and get it over. Here, Natty, take this farting gimmick. No, I mean, if I were in that locker room, <laughs> I'd be near rebellion, I think. I'd ad-lib on live TV just to see what would happen. But I'm a troublemaker, and I probably wouldn't care about my job that much, and what? I know that this is these guys' dreams. Wouldn't you think, but, that the CEO, wouldn't you think the CEO of the company 
if he was, you know, because Steve Austin at certain times during this entire podcast, I think he asked Vince about the three hour Raws six different times. Well, let me let me get one other thing in here. When, when, when Austin was talking about the collegial atmosphere in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were a top guy. I'm not sure D'Lo Brown was laughing it up and chuckling up when Triple H refused to do a program with him because he wasn't big enough. You know, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Austin and The Undertaker and The Rock and Angle and Cena were having a big chuckle fest in the back. Meanwhile, you know, guys like Midian are trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. So, so I think that's BS too. I oh. think if you're a top dog, it all looks rosy up there. But you know what they say about sled dogs: if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes. Yeah, but again, that wasn't so much the point of this that. Vince McMahon's answer to the current day because he basically threw the entire locker room under the bus. Which is bullshit. And then, of course, he singles out Cesaro. You know, Austin, who's been high on Cesaro, he talks about it on his podcast. The only, at one point, the thing he really didn't like was the look as far as having the, uh, um, the rugby, like, thigh pads. Right. It was the only thing he didn't dis, or he didn't like. And he's talking about, Cesaro. So obviously Steve Austin wants to know what's going on with this guy. And Vince says, I don't know. I don't have an answer for what he needs to do, but he has no uh, talking skills, little charisma, can't talk very well. And he basically just buried him six feet under. It's his job to, it's his job to figure out what's missing. You're telling me he, he was a champion in two other companies. And he, and he doesn't have any charisma. He doesn't get, did, did Cesaro outlift Vince in the gym one day and Vince feels threatened by him? I mean, it can't be just because he's bald, even though we've heard that on air. It's a, it's, it's a weird it's, comment to me because, well, hold on. The, it's a weird uh, comment to me because not, he says that Cesaro doesn't have it. Yet at the same time, early in, before he really buries Cesaro dead and says, I don't know what to do with this guy. Uh, he says he doesn't have it, but they're still hoping for him. Like he gave this little comment at the beginning, like, oh, we're hopeful he can, he can uh, get going. But if you don't give the guy the microphone to show that he can talk, how is he supposed to develop it per se? Or how is he supposed to develop talking skills when he's the in-ring stuff? Isn't the problem. You say it's the talking, you say it's the promotional skills to get over and resonate with the audience, but you're never giving him a chance to do that. So how exactly is he going to show it for you? Oh, and you give the guy who who can talk the best in the WWE to him, and you have him talk about Brock Lesnar the entire time and say a bunch of dumb catchphrases about Cesaro. You don't get him over. You just have him out there as a presence. Uh, Heyman could have gotten Cesaro over if you'd take the shackles off of Heyman. And if the focus was on Cesaro, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and you know what? You're, You're telling me that Cesaro doesn't have it? You put that Sami Zayn two out of three falls match from NXT in in a on a Raw show, that crowd goes apeshit for him. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't believe that he said what he said oh, about I... Cesaro on air because he may think that all the all day long, and he may say it privately with everybody, but you just buried one of your talents who just wrestled previously on that very night. Buried him dead. Now, some are out there saying that this was a motivational tool and Vince knows what he's doing. And he's just trying to get, you know, a light of fire under Cesaro. Stop, stop white knighting Vince. Stop it. Because we've heard that for, for the last year with Cesaro. 
oh, this will be a motivating factor. This will be it. This will be it. This will be it. The tro- the Theandre the Giant trophy will be the thing that gets him going. Well, the question becomes is if this were a motivational tool, which, be honest, people, it's not, okay? How, how do you motivate by by crushing a guy? But if the thing he is lacking is getting over with the audience and talking and charisma, how, Vince, do you expect this guy to go prove you wrong when, one, you don't give him a mic, he wrestles for two minutes on Raw, and your writers are writing things for him to say in German and every other language that they don't speak themselves? Well, this goes back to Punk being right again, because Punk said it himself on his cast. Okay, I'm the champ but I'm third from last on the card. If I'm not the main event, I'm not the main event. If, if he's not an important guy, he's not an important guy. You have to make him important and then see if he catches fire. I mean, God, they've given more care to Ryback than they ever did to Cesaro, and Ryback sucks. I don't Absolutely know if he sucks. Su- oh, he sucks. I like Ryback. I like him. He I think, sucks. I think he's I can like him without I, I mean, sure he hurts people. Master of <laughs> tape watching and cutting promos in his cars on long drives, right? You know what Rodback has though, that CM Punk also has, is he believes in himself to a huge degree. Oh, so I if, think everybody to some point believes in themselves. It's just this is what WWE does is they they crush that out of you because they want you to be a team player and it's about the brand. It's not about you being a star. Stop Stop walking backstage like you're a star, Sin Cara. Well, you can do it in a certain way. Oh, you can be an ass. You, this, you this, can do it but, in a certain way. But let's way. face it, this, 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 what is it they say? You have to be a little bit mentally ill to go into wrestling? Yeah, well, especially now. Jeez. Let people, I mean, let, let it happen. Back, backstage justice can be had. You know, if somebody's being a bit full of themselves a good punch in the mouth will humble you quick ask uh ask Seamus about Yoshitatsu you know that that stuff can be handled amongst the boys you don't need management to do that you need to go tattle on people I mean they have you know <laughs> they have wrestlers court you know let that you know let these personalities grow what they're doing is crushing them all under underneath their foot in favor of the brand and the McMahons. Hey, buy Triple H and Steph's workout videos. I guess to sum up my stars. yeah, to sum up my take on the Vince McMahon podcast. Obviously, both podcasts are worth listening to. They're interesting to hear these guys, you know, just give their take on certain situations. I just thought the Vince podcast was enlightening for what Vince is truly thinking about certain things. Uh, not that it's a surprise that he thinks that. But the surprise, the thought process behind it, you know, Punk's podcast was enlightening for all the health reasons why he left so that those who were saying, oh, just get over losing to Brock Lesnar, get over to losing to The Undertaker. I just think the Vince convinces me that it's such a duplicitous environment that you don't know what to do because there is no right answer unless they think something of you. We want you to yeah. go. We want you, It's a passive aggressive mind F, to be honest with you, you know, it's because uh, I'm trying not to swear, even though I've sworn already. Explicit too much tag. You know, oh, be aggressive, show your personality, be a star, but, 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 you know, 
uh, we don't really want you to. We don't really see that in you. We don't want any, you know, it, it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Because I'm willing to work for it, but you won't let me work for it. You'll give me ceremonial titles. It's like giving someone a ceremonial vice president title in a company that really doesn't do anything and really doesn't mean anything and, and, and wondering why the guy never shows leadership qualities. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, thought, I, I mean, a lot of people are praising Austin as an interview. And of course, he was shackled I, a little bit because what are you going to. Yeah. But I mean, I thought at first he was doing well. Austin's problem is he asks a semi tough question and then he doesn't have the follow up. He doesn't follow up at all. Like the moment, the moment they started talking about Cesaro saying, saying, I don't know what he's missing. Austin should have been on him. Isn't that your job? Yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't follow up on the Savage going in the Hall of Fame with the obvious. Well, why did it take so long? Uh, He didn't follow up with the Cesaro stuff. Half of the podcast was them on the WWE Network talking about, you know, old stuff like the Monday Night War was brought up for a good portion of the podcast. The uh, yeah, do your home run lap. The territory stuff was brought up. There was a lot of old stuff. Tell us about that touchdown pass you threw in high school. It's, It's the problem that a lot of people say with the WWE Network in general that. You know, you go onto this network of all the topics of current day WWE they could have gotten into. And believe us, there are a ton, a ton of current day topics they could have gotten into. Half of the podcast was talking about old stuff that not only is over 15 years plus old, but you can find all of it on other things on the WWE network. I mean, the 10 minutes they spend on Austin McMahon is on the network in its own special. There were just a ton of stuff you could have gotten somewhere else that they could have been best served getting, you know, new information out of Vince. Look, he needed 15 extra minutes to tell you he's he's a common man. Right. Yeah. And he saw a lot of that in him and Austin. They're they're going to go to a bowling alley together. Vince McMahon's ever been to a bowling alley, I'd be surprised. He may. He may have been. He may have been. As I completely knock over my microphone here. Drinking a Miller Lite or something. I Come wish on. I was right now. Go, go wear polka dots. <laughs> but it was Come. just, a, it was just, you know, it could have been a lot better. I wrote that it was very, it was disappointing even from someone who didn't expect much from it. Just because half of it was the topics they covered, how long each one was covered. Vince it, imposed his will from the very get-go. Yeah, it was, when, it was. When, when, when Austin said the word wrestling and Vince had to say sports entertainment because WWE doublespeak. You just knew that Austin was going to go, well, I got to do this with kid gloves a bit, even though I thought he was going to do it with kid gloves anyway. He was he was answering a question that wasn't even asked. I mean, yes, Steve Austin beat around the bush, but he was never asked if he, I guess, maybe he should have followed, well, followed up on the punk medical thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Punk. Well, not even follow up. He should have mentioned it. Well, but gee, I, I'm sure. Someone said you can't mention that because of liability. Yeah. What happened to everything is off limits or everything yeah. is on limits or whatever. Well, the that, that's part of the work. That's part. It, I mean, it felt worked quite a well, bit. Well, it was pre-outlined. You could tell. I yeah. mean, they knew what they were going to talk about and when they were going to talk about it. So that's not a surprise there. Um, I just, yeah, it was just it was a disappointment to me. I mean, it was interesting. I'm not going to go back and rewatch it. I would say if you missed it, you really don't have to go back and watch it because here are the bullet points. Uh, kind of the opposite of the CM Punk interview. If you haven't heard that, you should. Vince McMahon, though, you can uh, you can kind of miss the half hour of Attitude Era talk. Look, all the wrestlers are there to have fun. They're not there to win. 
Yes. So fre- <laughs> fresh off of us bashing Vince for talking about the Attitude Era, how about we go and review a match from 1997? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so Jeff and I watched the six-man international tag team match from ECW Barely Legal 1997. This was match number 98 on the uh, top 100 matches to see before you die. Am I right on that? Because now it's 98, right? We've only done two. Yes, it is. We, 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 yeah. It's number 98. Goldberg DDP was 99, and then yeah. Triple H Chris Jericho was 100. Yes, number 98. We get to ECW here, uh, a match featuring, let me get my notes out here, uh, BWO Japan of Taka Mishinoku, Men's Teao, and Dick Togo against Great Sasuke? Sasuke. Yes. Gran Hamada. Yes. And Masato Yakushija. Filling in for Grand Naniwa, who did not make the show. Yes. Or, is no longer with us. Yes. Sadly. Um, yeah, this was the sixth man. Yeah, ECW was in a weird time. Um, because I believe this was um pre-TNN times. Maybe just having gotten it. Uh they had Oh yeah, been- pre- it was definitely pre. They had they had lost a lot of their talents already to WCW um, in terms of their international flavor to be the undercard, uh, and it was you know they they'd bring in one and two shot types of groups or but I mean they they were still trying they were still I think ninety seven Austin was gone by then I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this this was after yeah. Austin was yeah. long gone. Uh, yeah, they here. were long gone. I mean, you, they were a year away, a year away from getting TNN, and yeah, even so this, a couple of guys in this match would later go on to WWE. So ECW lost oh, yeah. them. Yeah, this was they were in the wilderness, kind of. They're looking for their footing, and they were starting to get the reputation as being the basically the U.S. version of FMW. Yeah, I, the, the, they were the, they were the garbage wrestling federation. I mean, much. at they, the end of this they, night, Terry Funk was their champion. Yes. But, you know, it was all the hardcore guys that nobody wanted or nobody could do anything with on mainstream television, pretty much. It was, you know, your Funks, your uh, Tommy Dreamers, uh, you know, the Dudley Boys when they were still um, heat machines, or they weren't quite yet heat machines, but they were getting there. Uh, And you'd have these special attraction matches still occasionally because Heyman was just desperate for anything. And so for Michinoku Pro comes this six-man tag match under Lucha rules, apparently. <laughs> under Lucha rules. It was kind of... Joey Styles promoted it as a mix of Lucha and uh, Japanese style. This yes. happened at Barely Legal 97. It was in the ECW arena. It was the first ever ECW pay-per-view. Uh, the first thing I noticed, the sign in the front row, Bischoff takes it up the ass. Mm, nice. Good. Yep. Uh, also, as per usual, no surprise, Joey Styles could not find a suit that actually fit him. <laughs> I wonder why that guy always wore suits that just look so big. I think he was fat. Maybe it's his body type, I guess. But they were for a while. They were way too big for him. Uh, but we had this six man. Uh, you know, before the match started, you know, the ECW crowd threw the streamers in the ring. It was a flood of streamers. Very nice touch, I thought. Joey Styles reminds everyone that this is a greeting you don't usually see, except for in Japan, or later on every ROH show in the mid two thousands. And PWG. And PWG, I'm sure. Uh, Men's Teo was also referred to as Terry Boy in this Terry match. Boy. That was his uh, U.S. 
kind of translation name because he was a big Terry Funk fan. So he got to yes. see Terry win the title later on. Good for the him. Three, the three of them and Funaki would go over to the WWE later. This was where they were kind of scouted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, early in the in, match. Oh, oh in addition to Sasuke, who also went over you, to. You went over to? to? With, with Taka Michinoku to fill out that WWE light heavyweight division in which they had a couple of really great matches together and then became cannon fodder for guys like Triple H and big guys because they're not stars and they don't know how to push them. Yakushiji in this match was uh, promoted as like a young boy, basically. He had four yeah. years in the business. He he didn't do much in the match. Um, I, did th- I did think that the one thing, uh-huh. you know, as, as much as people get down on the ECW crowd for helping to ruin wrestling, yeah. Um, and I say this, with full disclosure that I went to the ECW arena a couple times in the mid nineties for shows, they policed themselves on the, on the stupid power ranger chant. Did, did you catch that when they started to chant power ranger? Then it was like, shut the F up after that. I was wondering, cause I didn't, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I didn't really know what was going on there, uh, but yeah, he, he had that look. He was wearing this green outfit with white stripes yeah, that's like what was body. happening. And, and, yeah, that's his look. He had that, and then he had a red uniform, I believe, when he was uh, also over there. Ah. Yeah, Yakushiji was uh, the young guy in this match. Um, didn't take the fall, though. No. Good for them. Uh, good for them. I thought, uh, before we get into some of the specifics in here, overall impression, uh, Takamishinuku. Super quick, super fast. No surprise why WWE would have an interest. And still to this day, he has the same thing where he just thinks he's the greatest thing in that ring. <laughs> it's so awesome to see Taka going in there like he's this big bad boss in the ring. He has charisma. He's great. He was hopping up on the top rope as fast as oh, anyone yeah. could ever do it. And no, I loved I loved their antics. I loved their the uh the Japanese BWO antics during this match. It was it was fun. Come out to the BWO music and the crowd's all behind him chanting BWO. Um they had the first thing I really took notice of, because I'm watching this match mm-hmm. early on, and it would not be the last time. Great Suzuki was getting triple teamed by the BWO. Okay, I know where you're going on this. Go and ahead. his partners were not even attempting to get into the ring. Like the ref is over in the corner to stop them from getting <laughs> this in. Ref, this ref was terrible. He was just looking kind of at them, and then back at the action, back at them, back at the action. But his yeah. partners were not even making an attempt to get in this ring. And they did that like four times in the match. Just, you know, leave Suzuki out there to dry. Yeah. To get the heat. Yeah. And during this, because Suzuki is there just getting beat up by three guys. He's kind of luggish. Yeah, Joey's, because he had he had, uh, he had jet lag because he, he, uh, he had wrestled in the uh, Tokyo Dome the, the night before. The against, night uh, Liger. before. Yeah. He had, That's he, hardcore. He wrestled is... Saturday morning, U.S. time. In the Tokyo Dome, and then was in Philadelphia Sunday night to wrestle the six man. Now that's an itinerary right there. That's travel. I couldn't believe that. I had to look it up because I could not believe that was true. Oh, yeah. But it Joey was. Styles won't lie to you. He may not know the names of all the moves, despite the fact that he wants to name every move, but right. he won't lie to you. <laughs> yes. Um, we had uh, this would be. Actually, Taka's last match in the ECW uh, until April of 99 after his WWF run. So right. he was gone after this one. Yeah, they scouted this match and they signed them after after it too. Joey Styles was crazy during this match. Nearly every single 
kick out and submission. He would go crazy when the guy escaped or kicked out. I have to say this my, of my impression. I thought Grant Hamada was sharp. I mean, just he was just so crisp with all his moves, like the arm arm bars and, and yeah. everything, and the flips. And for a forty five year old man, I actually and, I noticed his bumping. That was kind of the one things that got me is like this guy's bumping like a pro. Oh, he was so good in this match. I thought I thought he was really. He was the guy that made me sit up and take notice because because I, you know, I didn't have a high opinion of this match when I first watched it. I don't, I'm not overwhelmed by the match. I liked it, but I'm not like, ooh, you have to watch it. But I thought it was a great match nonetheless. The match I wanted to see after this, I wanted to see 97 Gran Hamada versus 97 Dean Malenko. I wanted to see yeah. the two of them in a match together against one another, so I went back to the archives to see if I could find one. All I can find is is New Japan Super J Cups in, from the mid-90s where they're in like multiple man tag matches, and they were actually a tag team mm-hmm. on a couple of shows, Grand Hamada and Dean Malenko. But that's a match I want to see after this. For a 45-year-old guy, and it's a shame that WCW didn't sign him after this. I don't think they did. They may have for a short time, so you can correct me. Uh, shake them ropes universe if you'd like um <laughs> but you know i know vince would probably look at him and go hey he's too old he's 45 and he's short nobody would you know women wouldn't want to sleep with him grand but hamada man, has he was, uh he was so crisp on, <laughs> on, on this match and 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 i still have a soft spot in my heart for his daughter so oh god uh zero <laughs> wcw zero wcw matches so he didn't okay, go to wcw um, okay good it's interesting that you mentioned that. dean malenko because i was thinking during this match you know who does this guy look like or who does he remind me of right now yeah and i'm thinking at first i came up with dean malenko if he had if dean malenko had longer hair and was japanese because <laughs> he looked exactly like dean malenko yeah you know in ring and also you know looks wise and then i'm thinking more closely and like who does he remind me of right now and you do not watch The Walking Dead, is that right? Uh, I know of it. I, I right for those Walking Dead fans. My friend Scott is showrunner on it, so it's nice. If Eugene on Walking Dead was <laughs> Japanese, he would be the Grand Hamada. Yeah, he would be Grand Hamada, and that's why that's where I'm getting it. It's like it's Eugene. It's Japanese Eugene from Walking Dead. Um, but yeah, he was crisp. I thought he was bumping really well. Again, Taka Mishinuka was really quick. Um, later in the match, there was, you know, the fans, they were respectful for this. They, they were enjoying it. They were, except they were good, except for the, you <laughs> fucked up chance did make oh, an yeah. appearance. Yes. It, well, I mean, they the did. Man, the man was jet lagged. He was jet lagged, uh, towards the end. The, uh, the BWO was whipping him to the ropes and. I love what? the triple. I love the triple team spot with the uh, slingshot clothesline that the Brainbusters used to do back in the day, mm. followed by the. Uh, oh, what was it? I think Togo or no, no, no Togo did the clothesline. Then Taka did the uh, dive off the ropes onto the knees. That was pretty sweet, and I love the spike pile driver. There's a move that needs to make a comeback. So we have, and this is again was another example of a triple team where the where Sasuke's, uh, Sasuke's partners are doing nothing. But yeah. Suzuki comes back, and they're about to, you know, basically carry him up into a triple powerbomb. And Dick Togo loses his grip on Sasuke. Yeah. So he kind of falls, and the crowd's chanting, you fucked up. 
not not too much. They get into a little champ and it quickly goes away because they're realizing, oh, uh, what are we doing chanting that during this match of all matches? And they send him in the ropes. This fails. They finally get him into this triple powerbomb position and Sasuke reverses it anyway into a Rana. So mm-hmm. it all kind of worked in the end. Like he got that moment to catch his breath and figure out where he was. So he was able to reverse just, that move. Yeah. And then they just did it again. Yeah. They do it again. And, and you know, all the dives happen. They, they go crazy in the match. Um, the finish comes after a bunch of near falls. Uh, Sasuke gets a near fall with the moonsault press. And then he wins with the chicken wing suplex. Uh, Yakushi actually made the save at one point. Um, Yakushiji made the save at one point uh, for Suzuki. So he was doing his young boy duties. Uh, the finish I, was pretty good. It was, I don't know about you, but it was a quick 16 minutes to me. I, oh yeah. No, I, I also love, they did the uh, fire pro G spot with the, with the triple team and the fists. Oh yeah. Yes. The guy. Yeah. And Joey, <laughs> Joey Styles called it great. Triple team maneuvers. Great triple team maneuvers. <laughs> that killed me. I was like, oh, it's a super fire pro. Excellent. Right. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he was marking out. Um, yeah. There were, there were times where Joey Styles was really trying to oversell the near falls, especially yeah. two minutes into the match. Um, yeah. I didn't think Joey had his best day on here. He was, I mean, Joe, he has this tendency. He has to call every move, if, even if he doesn't know what the move is. Right. And there was a, ra- a couple of random things in this match where like the, the Hamada, uh, uh, when he jumped off the apron onto the guy onto the side, that was just kind of like, huh, that was random. Yes, just to get rid, just 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 to kind of stall for time on the outside while Sasuke got his butt kicked some more. Yeah, and and the finish, going back to your point about Joey Styles calling moves, is the finish is this chicken wing German suplex, and right. he holds on and gets the pinfall. And unless I just misheard it, and I didn't really go back to check. But I'm really sure Joey Styles called it a reverse Saito suplex. And that is not accurate. Wouldn't shock me. I don't even know how you do a reverse Saito suplex, honestly, yeah, thinking about I it. Think, I think Joey, this is the stage of Joey Styles' career where he, he had gotten a lot of praise, and so he thought he was more clever for the room. I think that's got, got the better of him. He seemed like a guy who was really, you know, cause this was the big international six man. It was the first pay-per-view and he was trying to, you know, call every match. Like it was this special event, not just for them, but also for him, you know, yeah. like this is the match I can put on a demo reel. This is his of, Mike. This is his Mike Tanay match. Right. And yeah. that's what he was doing. And you know, he, it wasn't bad. He just, you know, when Joey Styles tries to put over every time that he called these pay-per-views by himself as if that was a great thing, you know, sometimes it was not so great. That match could have used maybe a second voice to give Joey Styles a little bit of a breather during times of, you know, not force him to fill time. Uh, but the match was a plus. I think this match is on this list because of the importance. Yes. You, know, you get to see Taka before he's in WWF. You get to see some of the guys, some of these guys. I think it's because of the style, you because, know, Michinoku Pro style. Yeah, because it's an ECW match that's important. It was the Michinoku Pro style. And then for non-WWE stuff, I mean, this is really what got Gabe Sapolsky into the idea later on to bring, you know, Dragon Gate guys into right. ROH, which was a big yeah. deal during WrestleMania season and then led to Dragon Gate USA. So it's still kind of relating to wrestling of today. I mean, it's yeah, important. And given, that, and given that WWE.com are rather educated fans, including Joey Styles. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we're three for three on matches that fit on this list. Unless you. Oh, disagree. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I don't think I don't think we're going to find a match that doesn't belong on this list until we get to a Hogan match. Oh, we may. We may get to one. 
Oh, really? We may. We may. We'll see. We'll see if we agree on which one. I, I try not to look at the list while, I, while I'm going, just That's... so I don't anticipate. So hey. what, what, what's, our, what's our match for next week? So this is the schedule coming up for the rest of December, uh, barring, you know, plus or minus a day. Um, in fact, we might as well just talk about this on the air next week's show. Yes. Next week's show, we're going to preview NXT TakeOver Our Evolution. We're going to do two hours on Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch and how awesome they are. Yeah. And believe me, our match next week to review is Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels from Raw, May 17th, 1993. He likey. And we are going to work Sasha Banks into that one as well. Are we? (laughs) Find a way. Okay. (laughs) So that's our match next week, but we're going to preview TakeOver. We are going to preview TLC, and we're going to get into that match. So a lot of uh, previews to discuss next week. Should be a good show as we got two big events for WWE coming up. The question I have to you is, should we release that show? Should we do it Tuesday or should we do it Wednesday in case they try to add something and sneak it in on SmackDown? Like they did last time. I will defer to your schedule. Okay. Well, well, we'll figure out a time. If you would rather us release the show on Tuesday, let us know at Shake Them Ropes. There I, are a few people who get angry when we do a show on Wednesday rather than Tuesday. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes we just want to wait to see what happens on the SmackDown tape. Well, because they threw that, they threw that, you know, stip that pretty important John Cena's team gets fired stip at oh, us. Oh, you're still, you're still on this picks game thing, aren't you? If I know that stip, I'm five and zero oh two. <laughs> If I know that's what the stipulation is, we're tied going into the picks game. <laughs> oh, it's not about caring about the fans of the podcast. It's about your stats on the picking game. Well, that, and you know, it, it would. I would like to do a preview that actually is still relatively correct the day later. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Wednesday fits just in these circumstances, but we'll, we'll see if we want to do it Tuesday, because I'm honestly thinking of a match right now. And unless they add one match that we're already suspecting... I don't think there's really anything they could do on the go home SmackDown that would change picks this time. So we may something, do it on Tuesday. Um, something involving the bunny. Follow us on Twitter at shake them ropes. We will say beforehand what day we're going to record on. So you know when to look out for it. Uh, we all, we have those two previews later on this month because it is December. The year is almost over, Jeff. Yes. The show uh, we might do. You might have something cooking on the 14th for a post TLC show. We might have something going up there. Oh, crap. I got to get to work on that, don't I? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Even if we don't have anything there, we will have a show on the 16th covering uh, the NXT, the WWE pay-per-view, Raw, SmackDown, all that stuff. We'll have a show next week. Uh, later on this month, we are going to have our WWE year-end awards. Oh, we got to just limit it to WWE? Yes. Oh. Only WWE. It's a WWE show. We can't just throw Nakamura stuff at these people randomly can't can't can we at least like as much as can, we want to can we do a wwe ballot and then a regular wrestling ballot uh i don't think so mm-hmm. i mean maybe for the big awards maybe as an aside i want to give aj Styles something <laughs> um give him the best aj in wrestling award oh i like aj lee too right but you know number two isn't bad she's pretty she is. <laughs> I'd rather ride on a plane with her than AJ Styles, if you know what I'm saying. I don't. But I continue. don't either, actually. Yeah, I mean, right. Well, AJ wouldn't take up as much space. Ah, so she, if you're you, in the middle seat, it's not so bad. You could fit her in the overhead. I could. 
I'll fold right up there. Um, so we're going to talk about all that stuff, but the year-end awards, we're going to cover WWE year-end awards, you know, best wrestler, best match, best pay-per-view, you know, all the big ones. We'll, and we'll get the full ballot the week before that show. And then if we want to do some asides, like best international wrestler, best outside of WWE, maybe we'll do that too. <laughs> it means I have to do some research on, on the year. And, but the thing is, WWE. WWE oh show. God. Yes, we want to we wanna limit it to WWE. Uh, because I'm sure there's plenty of awards that would be pretty fun to go over, especially our best non-WWE wrestler award. Oh, God. Because uh, Stephanie's pretty much locked that one up months ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, so we got a lot of stuff to do in the rest of December. So I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you follow along with us as we continue to go down the top 100 matches to see. Next week, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty should be fun. Look forward to it. I'm really hoping I'm in a better mood next week, Jeff, than I was this week. The vineyards of Eric Rowan, the finest in red wines. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.